today's episode is called Take a Heart Check. And we're going to talk about three things to keep in mind as you pursue your dreams and your goals. Things that can help you to sort of stay focused and get the things that you want out of life, but doing it in the right way. Hey, it's Amber L.B. Swenson, wife, mother, worrier, overthinker, type A, holding on to God and his promises to get me through the day. Thanks for joining me to explore everyday issues from a biblical perspective so we can all know and love God more. So number one, keep God's commands. This is an important one, and we see this all throughout Scripture. So if you remember when the Israelites were going to take over the promised land and Joshua was leading them and they had this wonderful um, victory at Jericho and they went to the next town, which was Ai, and it was just this tiny little town. They thought they could take it with just a few thousand people, a few thousand soldiers, and they got there and they had this defeat. And Joshua went before the ark of the Lord and he bowed down. He was like, Lord, what's going on? I thought you were going to give us the land. And God said, stand up, there's sin. And come to find out that a man named Achan had taken some of the things that were supposed to be dedicated to God in that first victory. And God would not bless the people while there was the sin in the camp. You look at David's life. In the first part of David's life, David was really this godly man who sought the Lord. You see it all throughout the Psalms. You know, he refused to kill King Saul, who wasn't a great king. Even though he had been anointed to be the next king of Israel, he wouldn't take the throne by force. He was this man after God's own heart. And we see that he starts having this sin in his heart as he takes more and more wives. So he um, had one wife, and then he took another wife, and then eventually he had up to seven wives. And then he lusted after and took Bathsheba, who wasn't his wife. And if you read in the Bible about David's life prior to this sin, and and then after, post this sin, they are two drastically different experiences. So it's almost as if when David took not just another wife, but another man's wife, God said, enough, this is done. You will not do this anymore. So after his sin with Bathsheba, their infant son died. Then David's son Amnon raped his daughter Tamar. And because of that, Absalom killed Amnon. And then Absalom had this rebellion and Absalom was killed. And then at the end of David's life, when David was getting old and he needed to um, have his successor take the throne, Solomon was the one who David had chosen and God had chosen to take the throne. But there's a little bit of a uprising with one of David's other sons who eventually is killed by Solomon too. So there's this tragic chaos and crisis, um, crisis after crisis really, that happens after David's sin with Bathsheba that really marks just um, the Lord's blessing, just um, uh, kind of leaving. He, He was with David yet. He certainly was. He forgave him. But David starts experiencing the consequences of his sins. 
And it's through this strife that happens because of his sin. Hezekiah was a king after King David several generations, and Hezekiah came after an evil king, Ahaz, and he destroyed, he took down the the, um, Baals and the Asherah poles, and he really um, led the people back to worship of the true God. In fact, he had the first Passover that had happened for a really long time, and he didn't just invite the people of Judah, his southern tribe, but he he went throughout the northern kingdoms too and invited all of them. And some of them laughed at Hezekiah and didn't want anything to do with it. But some people from the northern tribes actually came down and celebrated the Passover. And it was such a wonderful, meaningful time that the people extended the Passover by an additional week. And Hezekiah just really set his heart to serve the Lord. And this is what we read in 2 Chronicles 31, verses 20 to 21. This is what Hezekiah did throughout Judah, doing what was good and right and faithful before the Lord his God. In everything he undertook in the service of God's temple, in obedience to the law and in the commands, he sought his God and worked wholeheartedly. And so he prospered. This is a big deal. Jesus said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. We're blessed because the word of God and the commands are there for our blessing. They are there as a hedge to keep us in the good places. And so, of course, we're going to be blessed. But we're also blessed because we are aligning ourselves with God's will. When we go outside of God's commands... We are going outside of God's will for our life. You see this with Samson. Samson didn't want to listen to God's commands. He went to the Philistines to find a wife. He was continually doing the things he shouldn't do. As a Nazarite, he shouldn't touch unclean things, but he touched the carcass of the lion that he had killed with the honey in it. He went and visited a prostitute. He um, lived with Delilah, who was not his wife. I mean, he just was always living on the outskirts of God's command, and finally God left him. And so we don't want to do that. We, we don't want to go outside of that. There's a quote that says, don't go outside of obeying God to get something because you will have to stay outside of God to keep it. If you have to be dishonest to get something, you're going to have to keep living the lie. And if you have to justify or excuse To get somewhere, you're going to have to continue to excuse and justify your actions. And that's just a really hard thing to do. And it's not the way of God. So tip number one, as you pursue your dreams and goals, keep God's commands and and make that a goal of yours. Walk with the Lord. Walk closely with the Lord and make the desires of your heart be in line with the desires of God's kingdom. Number two. Cheer others in the kingdom on. Too many Christians look at other Christians as the competition. They absolutely get completely jealous whenever anybody has any sort of success or victory of any sort at all. Don't be that person. If you want a biblical example, look at Leah and Rachel. 
The entire account of Leah and Rachel and Jacob in the Old Testament is one of strife and hatred and jealousy, constant striving. And every time I read that account, I just think how different their life could be. I don't want to minimize the situation. I think it stunk that Laban tricked Jacob into marrying both wives. But let's face it, Leah was unloved. And Rachel couldn't have children. And they both had what the other wanted. What if Rachel could have been a bigger person and loved Leah and been a blessing and a best friend to her? And what if Leah could have been a better person and a bigger person and could have shared her children with Rachel until the Lord gave her children of her own? We would be reading a totally different account in the Bible if that was the case. Make it a point to pursue and cheer on others who are doing kingdom work and being a great encourager. Listen, I have met some amazing friends by doing this and and you're going to be blessed in so many ways. So if I, you know, am at a conference and someone is just a, an incredible speaker and they've really touched my heart, you know, I make it a point to get behind them and to let other people know they are incredible. And I've done that with musicians. I've done that with speakers. And you know, the funny thing that happens is not only do you get to be good friends and cheer each other on, but a lot of time it opens up opportunities for you. So other people will mention your name. Those people will mention your name to other people if they can't go to a conference and they say, hey, I can't go. But you know, I was at this conference with this other woman, and you might want to check her out, or, you know, that whole network, Um, and, and do it happily, not expecting to get anything in response. But just because we are all on the same team, we are all Christians. So if they are working in the kingdom of God, they are your teammate, not your competition. My friend Linda Buxa, who writes, she blogs for Time of Grace, she is amazing at taking things that are in the news and putting them in a blog. And time after time after time, I read her blogs and I'm like, this is incredible. She just has a knack to do this. I cannot do the same things. I cannot necessarily take a headline or something out of pop culture and turn it into, I just can't do it. I, I am more, you know, biblically based. I can take a story or a lesson from the Bible and apply it to today's life. But she has this incredible, incredible way of just taking what's going on in life and putting it in a blog and in, you know, a couple of paragraphs really touching my heart. I love that about her. I can't do that. I could, I could try to be her, and I would waste a lot of time and energy doing it. And you know what? She does it so well. Why, why should I try to write like her? I just want to cheer her on. So make sure instead of, you know, really um, working against people or, or seething with jealousy, just get behind them. Um, this quote is simply by Stacy, and it says, we should be lifting each other up and cheering each other on, not trying to outshine one another. The sky would be awfully dark with just one star. And Helen Keller said, the unselfish effort to bring cheer to others will be the beginning of a happier life for ourselves." You know, it's funny because that's so true. When you take the competition out of it and genuinely are happy, for someone else when they succeed, 
you you are happy. You experience that joy. You experience that happiness. Um, when my friends have that success, when something goes really well, when they get their book published, when they, you know, get a standing ovation at at a conference or something, and I can be happy for them, I would, I would so much rather feel that than be seething with jealousy and be pouting in my corner. I don't want to waste a minute of my life pouting or seething. I want to be a cheerleader. And I want to bring as many people um, up to speed and into, you know, using their gifts in the kingdom. I, I want that. So let's pray for each other and get behind each other and encourage each other Instead of just thinking our ministry is the any is the only one that has any importance. Number three, and this is an important one. Don't sacrifice your family. Too many people go after whatever they want to get, and they don't care what they have to sacrifice to get it. I was at a conference years and years ago when my my children were little. I was at a weekend conference and the speaker, who was a woman, she said her daughter, who was a senior in high school, was having her senior prom that night. And the thought went through my mind, I will never, ever speak on one of my daughter's senior proms. I can speak, you know, many other nights of the year. Uh, The senior prom happens once. Why would I want to do that? And this has been something that I have been very deliberate about because I am the only mom my children have and I am the only wife my husband has. And so for me, I've determined that I don't want success at the cost of my children not knowing the Lord, not following the Lord, or not having a relationship with me. So I have made a big point of my ministry Um, to be being involved in whatever my children are doing. When my children were in Sunday school, I was teaching Sunday school and leading the Sunday school. I was writing plays and Christmas programs so that they could um, act them out and be involved in things at church. I started a junior praise band when my daughter wanted to sing and um, be a part uh, of the worship band and and they said, no, you know, we don't want young kids in it. And I said, okay, how about if I start a junior praise band? They were all, they, the praise band was thrilled with that. Go for it. Do it. Let's let's do it. Um, so I really made a point as my children were growing up to be involved with ministry that involved them. And I do not regret that at all. I'm now at the tail end of my parenting journey, and I have a relationship with all of my children. I love my children. And for the most part, they love me. Although there are nights and days <laughs> that that's not always true. But, um, and my children are are still attending my Bible studies. You know, I do a high school and college Bible study right now. And three of my children are in that because they're in high school and college. And I love that. I don't regret that for one minute. C.S. Lewis said, children are not a distraction from more important work. They are the most important work. And Mike Donahue from 10th Avenue North said, I am not willing to sacrifice my family on the altar of ministry. And both of those quotes had a huge impact on me. And I definitely clung to both of them. Um, 
Jesus said, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? You will sacrifice a lot if you will do anything to get to get what you want. But you have to ask yourself what you are willing to sacrifice. It's one thing to sacrifice your free time and to not have as much um, liberty to do things that you would otherwise do. You know, there are many nights that I think, oh, I would love to have just a week where I do nothing but binge watch TV. But you know, that's not really all that important to me. I have ministry to do. And and so, yeah, you know, maybe my my life is a little bit busy and hectic at times when I have deadlines. That's okay. I am honored that the Lord counts me as worthy to work in his kingdom. And so I will sacrifice free time and luxuries that aren't all that important, um, but not my family. One of the women that is in ministry who I've looked up to, she said one time that she went to her husband and said, listen, I need to know, you know, I can't do everything. And so I need to know what's really important to you. Is it important for you to have a clean house or to have, you know, fresh home cooked meals? And he said, you know, for me, I would rather have a clean house. I need organization. I want to walk in. I want to have, you know, a nice, peaceful place. And so that's what she really focused on. She made sure their house was clean and organized and well-kept, and they picked their food up. You know, they ordered takeout or they got packaged food from the grocery store or whatever. That was what it was important to her and him. And so that's what they did. And I think that's the important thing is to not sacrifice your family, work with your family. Work and decide, you know, together with your husband and your children, what's important to all of us. Could you guys help out with the house? Or do you want to help out with some of the cooking? Or is it really important for you to have home-cooked meals, but you guys will do some of the cleaning? Or or how can we make this work? So that it's not an either-or, <laughs> but rather it's a, oh, we can do this together. Um, there's a quote that says, you should never sacrifice these three things. Your family, your heart and your dignity. And I think all these things are really important to keep in mind as we pursue our dreams and our goals. Keep God's commandments. Cheer other Christians on and don't sacrifice your family. At the end of your life, I guarantee I've been an elderly companion for many years. At the end of your life, you will regret it if you sacrifice your family. This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. Thank you so much for your prayers and encouragement. Keep them coming. I appreciate it so much to hear um, when people tell me that they are praying for me. That really means a lot. And pray for us at Time of Grace. I can't thank you enough for your prayers. They really keep us going at Time of Grace.